We here at Perched on the Top Rope would like to send our condolences and our thoughts and prayers to the family of Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett has passed away. We will begin the show with a 10-bell salute. Thank you. If you want to listen to some good gaga about the wrestling business, you've got to listen to Perched on the Top Rope with Lee. I listen to it every day and night, even when I'm on the loo. See ya, folks. Bushwhack a loop. Welcome, everyone, to Perched on the Top Rope. I am your host, former dirt sheet writer Lee Walker. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we said, we want to give our thoughts and condolences to the family of Jerry Jarrett, who recently passed away. Well known for his territories, especially in Memphis with the United States Wrestling Association, big part of the NWA, and a really big part of the startup of NWA, TNA. Uh, thank you for all the years of wrestling and promoting that you've done, Jerry Jarrett. May you rest in peace. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I am joined by Alex Todd, who you know from twitch.tv slash perched on the top rope. And I am joined by the Perched Correspondent, who has now been over 100 shows between WWE, TNA slash Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, live events for Raw, live events for SmackDown, TV tapings for Impact, other events like AEW Dynamite, Rampage, Dark Elevation, Dark, Justin Largitoe, youtube.com slash injustinwechust. Guys, how we doing? Doing all right, Lee. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We, like you said, would like to send our condolences out to Jerry Jarrett and the Jarrett family. Uh, you know, for me and Justin, I would say especially had a big hand in uh, part of the wrestling that was part of our childhood. Uh, growing up, you know, Justin and I are very avid TNA fans, and that wouldn't have been possible without Jerry. So I personally as well would like to send my condolences to the Jarrett family and Jeff Jarrett, um, who, from what I've heard, is supposed to or wants to wrestle on AEW within the next week, despite everything that's been going on, uh, just to kind of honor his father. So, yep, I would like to send my personal condolences to the family as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right there with what uh, what Alex just said. And, you know, uh, I just want to give big respect to Jeff Jarrett, who did compete on Dynamite this past week in an eight-man tag. Uh, Tony Khan and AEW did, did give him the decision if he wanted to, you know, continue or not, because the match was advertised ahead of time. And, you know, he had that old-school mentality, like you hear Cody Rhodes say, you heard him say it on Raw this past week, you know, finish the story. And he went out there, he had his match, and, you know, absolute respect to that man. So condolences to the Jarrett family all around. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, coming this weekend, we have quite a bit going on, guys. Uh, we know that the wrestling world doesn't slow down. We have two pay-per-views. Well, one pay-per-view, one premium live event. I got to be 
politically correct here on this one because it's no longer pay-per-view if it's WWE. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have the WWE Elimination Chamber, and we also have an event with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And guys, I think I'd like to start with the New Japan Pro Wrestling first. Um, I think that'd be just kind of kind of a good way to to kick the show off and leave the fans in suspense as we are currently with a reigning 901 days Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Will he survive 902? Find out in a little bit when we give our predictions. But guys, let's start with New Japan. Couple, yeah. There's a couple of great matches on there. Uh, I'll you know just right off the bat with Jay White, and we also have Mercedes taking on Kari Sane for the Women's IWGP Championship. Uh, Justin, uh, you have the card. Who is Jay White facing? So Jay White is facing Eddie Kingston uh, from AEW, and a very notable stipulation that was added to this match this week. A uh, little bit of backstory, we obviously know Jay White was defeated by Hikaleo uh, this past weekend at the New Beginning in Osaka show, which means Jay White must leave Japan. This show is in California in the U.S., so he can compete on this one, but it could be his last or it could be Eddie Kingston's last because the big stipulation that has been added, the loser leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling. Ooh. I mean, we've had this debate before. I thought he was signed with AEW and Impact, but apparently uh, I don't know if we're going to see anything like that. I know we've heard the hot rumor that WWE is interested in him, but I guess time will tell where his contract deals short with Impact, were they short with AEW. We've heard the rumors of WWE, but only time will tell. Justin, let's break down the card. Let's give our predictions, and hopefully I can say some names right tonight. Doubt it. Yeah, so let's get right into it. On the main show, we have a eight-man tag match. Uh, Mascara Dorada, Josh Alexander, the Impact World Champion, and Adrian Quest. Uh, excuse me, eight-man tag, so there's four. Derp. Uh, and Rocky Romero. They're taking on Kushida. Volador Jr., Kevin Knight, and the DKC of the LA Dojo. So, Ma- Mascara Dorada, everyone knows as WB's Grand Metalik. Uh, we all know Josh Alexander. We've talked about him on the show multiple times before. Longest reigning Impact World Champion. Uh, I see this going to uh, Mascara Dorada, Josh Alexander, Adrian Quest, and Rocky Romero. Hey, and don't forget, Grand Metalik technically right now is part of AEW. Right. Right. So, you know, that that's a team that's all over the place. You know, Kushida, we know from, you know, he was recently part of WWE NXT. Uh, I definitely hated when they changed him out of his uh, gimmick that he has with the whole 80s yeah, back, back to the future yeah. theme, you know, going on. I hated when WWE changed that. So uh, I'm glad to see him back in New Japan. Rocky Romero is always a great Great talent. Watched him multiple times while writing for Sports Kita because he was also competing in MLW at the same time. So, Justin, I got to agree with you. That first team just sounds like it's going to be really, really tough to beat. So, good luck, Kushida, and all of them because you're going to need it. Alex, who do you think? Yeah, so, um, honestly, I... 
this one's a hard one for me because I've watched Kushida for a while. I've watched Mascara Dorada for a while. But personally, I feel like with the exception of maybe like Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, and Seth Rollins, there is not a performer on the planet right now that is operating on the level that Josh Alexander is right now. Um, I have gone on record saying that I believe that the run that Josh Alexander is in the middle of right now, had it been on like a more promoted television show like your WWE or your AEW, Josh Alexander really, really gives me like modern day Kurt Angle vibes. Um, maybe not the size, but for for his his ring of his his work in the ring. Um, so for for that alone, I'm gonna go with Rocky Romero, Adrian Quest, Josh Alexander, Mascara Dorada. All right, we all agreed. Straight across the board. Uh, but then going into our first title match on the show, we have the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, currently held by Fred Rosser, as many may know as WB's Darren Young. He will be taking on Kenta. Uh, ironically, formerly WB's Hideo Itami, but uh, we, we don't like to talk about that Hideo Itami uh running WB NXT it had such promise he, he had he had a bad shoulder but uh uh I think we're getting a title change here honestly uh Fred Rosser has had a pretty impressive run with the New Japan strong open weight champion so far really been making a name for himself in that company so you know I think it's time for him to kind of move on to bigger and better things and I think we get Kenta as the champion yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. Sorry to cut you off, Lee. I'm gonna agree with you, Justin. Um, you know, Fred Rosser has had a, a solid run as champion so far, and I think it's really upped his stock um in the pro wrestling world again. But I think Kenta more desperately needs the championship right now. And I think if Fred were to drop the title, that also gives him the opportunity to possibly go and compete more, say in Japan, if he wanted to. Fred, I believe, lives in the States. So, like, for, you know, Japan to constantly want to bring him over there is probably a pain. I, I'm sure it costs money, obviously. I mean, I know it does. Um, I just see this going... I, I'd love to say Fred, because I got to work with him at Sportskita, because he actually wrote for Sportskita, and, you know, he did a, a once-a-week column type deal. You know, which was really cool, you know, showcasing his career and stuff like that. I would love to see him win. I would love to see Kenta win, to be honest with you. I, I feel like his time in NXT didn't really give American fans a good idea of just what he could do because of the shoulder injuries that he occurred over time while here. Absolutely. So I'd I'd like to see it. I I hate to see Fred lose it because you know we all know him from Darian Young in WWE and a one-time WWE Tag Team Champion. Uh, didn't really you know have I would say much success within the WWE. Uh, goes to New Japan. He's got a new body. His, his body looks great. You know he didn't have like that kind of hourglass dad bod looking type body like he had in wwe he had a six he has a six pack and everything he's looking great in great shape so if fred loses it i don't know what they would do with him i don't know if he goes up the ladder 
I don't know if they'd be done with him, but I'm going to say Kenta. Okay. As much as I want to say Fred, I'm I'm going to go with Kenta. All right, all across the board on that one. Yeah, and to like to what you said, Lee, you're not too sure on the direction for Fred if he does lose this championship here. Uh, look, the way I look at it, New Japan is a lot like AEW in the sense of they have a million fucking belts in that company. They just introduced a new one at Wrestle Kingdom, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, I definitely see Fred kind of moving into that, you know, uh, United States Championship, uh, New Japan strong or excuse me, New Japan television champion. That, that, that area I could see him kind of moving into. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, with Kenny Omega currently being the, uh, he's still the U.S. champion, right? He hasn't lost it yet? Yes, he's still has Okay. It. Um, yeah, with Kenny Omega being the IWGP U.S. champion, too, I think that gives a lot of good exposure to Fred Rosser if they can get some matches between the two of them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would only up his stock and show people what he's, if anybody can bring out the best of somebody in the ring, it's Kenny Omega. Um, let's say what we want about whether him and the Young Bucks have an attitude or don't have an attitude um, currently in pro wrestling. But that aside, if anybody's going to bring the best out in you, it's going to be Kenny Omega. Look what he did for the likes of the career of somebody who we're going to talk later about, like Jay White. Um, so, yeah, now I'd love to see Fred Rosser possibly go travel to Japan more or even do some matches for the IWGP US title against Kenny on AEW. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But uh, we just talked about the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, but let's continue to talk about New Japan Strong with the New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team Championships, where we have not only the New Japan Open... (laughs) Man, what a mouthful. The New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team Champions, but they're also currently holding the Impact World Tag Team Championships. The Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, who are defending against the West Coast Wrecking Crew of Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Okay, so before we do any sort of uh, uh, prediction, you watch New Japan more than we do. Do we like Nelson and Isaac? Are they good? Before anybody shits on me about this, I'm I'm about to put in the work. Justin and I had a conversation before the show that I'm going to buy the Honor Club subscription. He's got the New Japan World subscription. We're going to trade. I promise I'm going to catch up on my new Japan. But Justin, I have no idea who these guys are. Are they good? Do we like them? Dude, so I'll be honest with you. I've been trying to keep up with new Japan as well. I, I've definitely, the names sound familiar. I feel like they wrestled on the forbidden door show last year, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So any exposure I've had to them has been very minimal. Hmm. I'm being hundred percent honest. So in layman's terms, you have no fucking clue who they are either. Like I said, the names pop out at me, but in my head, it's like, I'm not too familiar. Well, I guess it didn't matter because I'm going with the Motor City Machine Guns uh, regardless. Motor City Machine Guns are one of my favorite tag teams ever. Uh, yeah, I grew up watching them in, in TNA, and I, I've always been a fan of Motor City Machine Guns. Still upset they never got a run in WWE, but it is what it is. Uh, my my boys, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban all the way. Yeah, and I'm going the same direction. Uh, like I said, they are holding the New Japan uh, Strong Tag Team Championships as well as the Impact World Tag Team Championships right now. And I think they're going to continue that double tag title run. Uh, it's just, I, I do want to say as well, you know, props to the Motor City Machine Guns, you know, competing at a level that, like they've had since, you know, becoming a team in 2007. And I know they've, 
you know, kind of branched off and had singles runs and they weren't consistently together as a tag team that whole time, but you know, especially these last couple of years, like let's talk about the career rejuvenance of the Motor City Machine Guns tag team. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's awesome to see and for them to still be competing at the level that they are consistently, especially in multiple companies in 2023 is just, they haven't missed a beat. Right. Listen, the Motor City Machine Guns crawled so the Young Bucks could fly. Hey, I remember that feud. It was one of my favorite. Uh, 2010, 2011. Generation me. Oh, man. But yeah, who do you guys got? Oh, Justin, you already told us. Lee. Lee, where you at, bro? I'll go with the other guys to be different. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we call that Vintage Lee Walker. I'm different. Yeah, I'm different. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now that we've completely humiliated ourselves. Oh, God. So, yeah, let's get into the first of, I would say, three main matches on this show. We brought it up a little bit. Jay White taking on Eddie Kingston. Loser leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling. So somebody swan song is happening in this match, which is a very big deal for both names. We've seen Eddie Kingston, you know. He is signed to AEW currently, and he has been a you know reoccurring competitor on New Japan Strong for the most part. And Jay White, just coming off a loss to Hikaleo, as well as Okada in the Wrestle Kingdom main event last month for the IWGP World Championship. So, look, <laughs> this, this match is going to be a big deal either way it goes, but I think it's going to be Eddie Kingston winning, and Jay White moves on. To where I'm not 100% sure right now, especially when we're on the road to WrestleMania. I mean, we saw last year uh, somebody leaving their company, which we never thought we'd see them walk out of, and showing up on another company, WrestleMania weekend. And we could be seeing the same situation this year. Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, something Cody Rhodes. That never gets old. Never. Uh, Justin, I'm I'm gonna go with you, and um, I I was I've been thinking about this a lot the past couple of days, and I've got I believe three main points on this as to what reasons point to Eddie Kingston winning. Reason number one makes no sense for Eddie Kingston to lose this match and be barred from New Japan, considering the relationship that New Japan and AEW have. I feel like if they did this somehow, some way at some other Forbidden Door show, eventually they're going to go back on that because they just will. Um, Reason number two. I don't believe Jay White's going to AEW. uh, And I don't believe that he's going to impact either because he already was working in a company that had relationships with those companies. So if he was going to those companies... They would have already started a storyline. AEW's done it in the past with New Japan guys that are still working there but don't have a contract anymore with New Japan. They would have them start running these storylines first while they were still working with the other company. And eventually you would see people transition to being signed by by AEW. So for that reason, I don't think Jay White's going to AEW. I have a really, really big feeling just with coincidentally what time of year it is. I honestly think we're going to see Jay White sign with WWE. The rumors have been absolutely rampant for probably the past two or three weeks that it's already possible that he's agreed to sign with WWE. Uh, We're coming up on WrestleMania season. 
They're going to want that shock factor for either WrestleMania or the Monday Night Raw after. I've I've got to believe Jay White is signing with WWE, and for that reason, he loses this lose, uh, loser leaves New Japan match. He's already barred from competing in New Japan in Japan again, and that just doesn't seem very Jay White-ish to stay and just perform uh, on New Japan Strong. I think... Jay White's going to WWE, and I think Eddie Kingston's also going to win based on point number three. He's got like this bubbling storyline in AEW right now where they've turned like the view of his backstage heat and whatnot in the past like six months into a story where he's finally going off on everybody. And I think uh, I think we're starting to see more of the rise of Eddie Kingston here soon, but I think it's a slow burn in AEW, especially with the comments that Chris Jericho made recently about him not knowing how good he is and that he could be a world champion. Uh, in Tony Khan's AEW, if Chris Jericho's behind you and he's got your back, there's a good chance that you're probably going to get pushed up the card. So I, I think we're starting to see the rise of Eddie Kingston in AEW, and I think beating Jay White and kicking him out of Japan could be one of Eddie's biggest career-defining moments. Jay White signing with Ring of Honor, bro. Right, listen, here's the thing I'm confused yeah. about. We saw Tony Khan acknowledge Jay White is all elite. We never heard how long his contract was there. We also never heard that he was let go from that contract. And also at the same time, he was working Impact Wrestling. Because the Bullet Club is there, too. We also never heard anything about his contract running out in Impact Wrestling. So, like, are those contracts up? Did he actually have any contracts in place? I know Impact Wrestling loves to do uh, per appearance with a lot of stars. You know, Matt Cardona being one of them. He makes it super no you know, known he's king of the indies. But that also leads me to believe, did he actually have a contract with AEW? And they just brought him in. Because if you remember, there was the whole debacle of Tony Khan not knowing what Forbidden Door actually meant. Because if you remember, Keith Lee debuted that mm -hmm. night also on AEW Dynamite. And originally, he was going to be the Forbidden Door guy that came to AEW. Tony Khan realizes, oh, I, I messed up. So Jay White had to be the guy. I want to know where there are actually contracts. I, I no don't. Because no one has said anything. No company, Impact or AEW, has said that they have let him go out of their contract with them or that he's been released. So, like, what's the deal? I don't personally, I don't think there ever was any actual official contracts. Uh, with AEW, they never put out, like, the Is All Elite graphic with Jay White, to my knowledge, which usually when that graphic goes out it it genuinely and officially means they've actually signed a contract cuz usually we hear about it right after usually that graphic only goes up on their twitter page if they've actually signed um and i don't believe i ever saw that with jay white nor do i believe i hear about impact actually signing him so i think it might have been per appearances like you were saying like we we you were just talking about matt cardona he's worked with impact for probably getting what close to 2 years now He's he's never been signed to a contract with them. He's right. been working per appearance for like two years now. He's one of their top people. Um, so I, I don't think there was ever a contract signed there. And I think it was because I think he was still at exclusively had a contract going with New Japan at the time. Right. I, I'm going to say both uh, both sides, AEW and Impact, were per appearance. I and I mean, that's what I'm guessing, but... 
you know, I just, you know, you, you can't announce somebody as that they're the forbidden door. And, you know, if you remember correctly, Tony Schiavone even said, Jay White is all elite. So, like, I just wanted to know, like, it was never talked about. It was never brought up, you know, and then he was, like, just never heard from again from either company. Like, you know, we last saw him in June in AEW, a random right. little appearance. But, like, before that, it had been almost a year because he showed up February 9th, 2022. That was the that was the day. Right. You know, but uh, it is what it is. I, I just wanted to know. We didn't get an answer. If he goes to WWE, great. Uh, I just think it's coincidental with the time of year that it is right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's also, you know, look at the fact that uh, Dax Hardwood posted a photo of like a new tequila thing and sitting right in front of it off to the side is you can clearly see the bottom of the WWE logo, like a contract. Right. And, you know, and he also said in spring that they were most likely not going to re-sign with AEW, but he's also brought up. Well, you know, maybe we would, but he's also said, you know, we want to be off TV. I mean, how much of that do you believe when, you know, you post a photo like that? So uh, things are going to heat up here a little bit as AEW starts to experience some contracts coming up. And same with WWE. But let's get back on track to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, who do you got winning, Lee? I mean, it's obvious, I think. Uh, it's Jay. I mean, they just had they just had the match of Jay White leaves Japan, so this is just going to be the final nail in the coffin. Eddie Kingston wins. We all agree again. Yeah. We're back. And again, track. it again it it does Eddie Kingston careers his career wonders too because I I think this is a career defining win thus far if he beats Jay White and kicks him out of Japan. Yeah. 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 All across the board again and. Next, we have a filthy rules fight, which I'll be honest, I'm not 200% on the rules. Apparently, they are filthy. Uh, but we have filthy Tom Lawler taking on Homicide. You can remember Homicide from his appearances in TNA and Impact over the last decade plus. Uh, gotta go with Homicide. I watched both these guys actually compete at, uh, was it the night before the Rumble on 44th Street in Manhattan uh, this past October? And, you know, great to see Homicide, and, uh, yeah, I see him winning this. N not, not much to say here for me. Okay, Justin, to clarify, a Filthy Rules match is essentially, essentially a hardcore match. I just it's, did a little bit of research on it. It's basically a hardcore match. How filthy can it get? I, I mean, we'll it's Filthy that. Tom Lawler, man. It's going to get filthy. Oh, yeah. A little filthy. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going with homicide only because of my ties to him with watching TNA when I was younger. LAX was a big fan. Of, I, I was a big fan of theirs. Love their tag team. Uh, I don't know much about their story, but I'm gonna go with homicide. I mean, I'm going filthy Tom Lawler, man, former UFC fighter, uh, well known in MLW. You know, he's also you know it's his it's literally his match. A filthy match. Like, scrub a dub dub. Let's get in the tub, boys. We go in hardcore. And no, I don't mean an XXX like we saw on Raw a few weeks ago. Homicide's going to kill that motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I like Homicide, but I, I got to switch it up here. Uh, homicide has uh, been in my lap once. Again, we're going XXX here. I did say oh. that. So, um, Impact pay-per-view. 
Binghamton, New York. Big spot in the match. Homicide ends up in the crowd, but he ends up like flopped over me, my cousin, and uh, this like really redneck fan had a Trump, you know, make America, make America great again. Trump hat on or something or Trump 2020, whatever. I don't even remember what the hell the hat was. I remember homicide landing in our laps. He gets up and gets out, you know, back over the rail laughs. He looks at the guy's hat and he takes the guy's hat, the Trump hat. And he like waves it around. He gets in the ring. He starts dancing. And then he goes, Oh, we got a Trump supporter. We got a Trump supporter. Then goes, and hacks the biggest loogie in it and throws the hat back at the guy. Now, of course, I moved because the, he just hacked a huge loogie in this. And Homicide just hacked a huge, huge loogie in this dude's hat. Mm-hmm. Dude gets so mad. Fuck this. I'm never coming here again. So it was a local show, local independent show. And uh, I was laughing my ass off. And I was actually going to take the hat. And my cousin goes, you are not getting in my car with that hat. Absolutely not. Because I was going to tweet at Homicide later, hey, thanks for spitting in this dude's hat. Now I got your DNA. Now I'm going to clone you, and I'm going to create Homicide 2.0. And 20 years down the line, you'll see me at WrestleMania. Managing oh, Homicide 2.0. Long-term storytelling. Homicide Junior. I love it. Little Homie. <laughs> Little Homie. Little Homie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Jesus Christ. All right, so Lee's a homicide fan, and we're changing his vote for him. No, I'm not going with homicide though, just to be different, just 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 so we're not all agreeing. But yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Boo. Otherwise, I'd pick Little Homie. Boo. <laughs> little Homie. <laughs> little Homie spits in your hat. Sounds like a character from Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, Little I Homie. Yeah. Oh god, let's move on. We're we're gonna be going little hobby all, all this whole fucking show if we don't. Um so next we have a match for the newly introduced at Wrestle Kingdom last month, the New Japan World Television Championship. Uh the current and first champion, Zack Saber Jr., defending against Clark Connors. Uh I'm definitely going Zack Saber Jr. on this one. Uh as we saw at Wrestle Kingdom, he actually aligned with the mighty don't kneel. So if you remember, may remember from NXT as TM61 or the Mighty, uh, Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste. Who you may have remembered before that as the Mighty Don't Kneel before that. Right. A, a, lot, a lot of kneeling. Well, n- not kneeling. You know what I mean. But They don't kneel. That's the whole point is that they don't kneel. Well, the Slapjack kneel? We don't talk about that. Move on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going Zack Sabre Jr. on this. Uh, I think we do see TM, or I was going to call him fucking TM61. Too many fucking names for these guys. Uh, the Mighty Don't Kneel interfere in this match. And uh, we'll go from there. I'm excited to see what they do as a trio. All I can say is this match is probably going to tear the house down. We kind of got a little bit of a sneak peek at Forbidden Door of what Clark Connors is capable of doing in that AEW All-Atlantic Championship match. Uh, kids really fucking good um and obviously zach saber jr might possibly be the best wrestler in the world technically at this time so uh this is gonna be a hell of a match but with this being a newly introduced championship 
and Zach being its inaugural champion, I don't see him losing the championship just yet. So like you, I think the Mighty Don't Yell are going to get involved in some way, and I think Zack Sabre Jr. retains the ugliest-looking championship I've ever seen in my life. It is pretty fucking ugly. We didn't bring bring that part up. We don't even have to talk about it. It's an eyesore, and it gives me a migraine. Makes the original WWE Universal Championship look beautiful. Oh, my God. I, uh... I'm going to go with Zack Sabre Jr. just for the same reason. It's a new belt. You know, they need kind of like a veteran to kind of hold it for a little bit. And New Japan's, you know, not really known for doing a lot of title flipping, even though they kind of have been lately, which is kind of alarming because Japan has really, you know, they've really been known to make those championships prestigious, no matter whether it's top tier or it's the bottom of the barrel belt. You know, they make them all relevant and they make them what they should be. You know, not playing hot potato with them, but I see uh, Sabre Jr. winning this. Because, I mean, if we look at the rest of the card, we have, I think, other title changes that do happen. I just, I don't see this being one. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up the flip-flopping of the titles. Uh, I wish, yeah. You know, I'm glad to say New Japan isn't as bad as AEW with the TNT Championship right now. Yo, that's literally hot potato. They might as well not even have a championship belt. They might as well come out with Mr. Potato Head and play hot potato with him. I kind of want to make like a video compilation of people winning the TNT title over the last year uh, with the music, the Wiggles hot potato in the background. (laughs) When the AEW Fight Forever comes out, when it comes out, if it ever comes out, I am 100% now going to make, if it's possible in the game, a Mr. Potato Head Championship. They call it the Hot hot Potato Championship. The one cool thing on a side note that's going to be the dopest thing when this AEW game comes out is that they already confirmed, even though he had left and signed with a new company, that Cody Rhodes is still supposed to be in AEW Fight Forever. So if AEW Fight Forever comes out this year, we're going to have two of the most modern video games with AEW and WWE both having Cody Rhodes in it, which is going to be dope as hell, and I don't know if it's been done. Hey, I mean, we still have AEW figures of Cody Rhodes coming out as uh, the Cody Rhodes Elite 101 comes out. His Supreme, I believe, or Ultimate Edition comes out next year also. So Cody Rhodes has a lot going on in both companies, even though he's only in one now. He's still got them figs coming out in AEW. He's still got figs coming out in WWE. It's going to be an AEW video game. He's going to be in the WWE video game. Cody, how'd you do it? I I think it's because Triple H has respect for the fact that Cody helped build that promotion. So while they're not actively showing anything on TV, I I think it's almost a respect thing from Hunter to Cody. I mean, it's going to be fun. While we're on the topic, what do you think about the news coming out this week? Cody's working on a custom weight belt for WrestleMania with all the independent promotions. He's That's what I was going to get to, because that's the main reason that makes me think that. Um, if that's indeed true, and they're letting him do that, then WWE really has shown that it has been able to change under this new Triple H regime. If that happens, that means we're going to see our local company around Excite Wrestling on that belt. Right. Yeah. A bunch of companies will be represented. Ring of Honor, AEW, Impact. New Japan. New Japan. Yeah. ICW, WCPPW, or whatever it is, WCCPW. It'll be pretty neat to see. So 
I'm excited for it. I mean, I don't think he's going to throw it far enough for me to catch. So when I hit, so just when I hear that music, I am fucking running. <laughs> I am running as far down as I can. And if I get close, I'll Superman punch, donkey punch. You name it, I'll throw the kind of punch. Haymakers, right hooks, left hooks, jabs, uppercuts, donkey punch again. Lee's going to be... Kicks. Lee's gonna be running, and you're gonna hear the Baywatch theme in the background. Da, da, na, 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 na. And in the back, here's gonna be Justin from like that one SpongeBob episode where the guy's yelling about Hoobla, and and Justin's in the back just going Adrenaline in my soul, something, something, Cody Rhodes. Oh, I'm thinking more of the scene from uh, Talladega Nights when Bobby Ricky Bobby goes to cross the finish line, and it's like we belong, we belong. We belong. Yep. Oh god. I'm okay with that. Uh but anyway, we're talking about New Japan. Um <laughs> Cody so Mania is running wild, sorry. Speaking of the new newly introduced championships in New Japan, we have another one that was actually introduced late last year. Uh the IWGP Women's Championship. We have the first champion Kyrie, who you may remember from WB as Kyrie Sane. Uh, first winner of the May Young Classic in 2017, as well as a former women's tag team champion, NXT champ, women's champion. She's going to be taking on in her debut match since leaving WWE, formerly known as Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, the CEO of botching. What? Well, oh, the, are you talking about the move she hit? She wasn't the one that botched it. It was Kyrie. If yeah. you go back and watch the video, she did it exactly how because there's a video of her training to do the move with Kalisto. She actually performed it correctly. Kyrie was the one that botched the the taking of the move. Yeah, Kyrie like fell too soon. Hey, look, a botch is a botch. I'm just saying it's not Mercedes' fault. It was Kyrie's. A botch is a botch. It takes two to tango. Hey, fair. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Justin, this is the third match with a newly introduced IWGP championship because the strong open weight tag team championships were also just introduced last summer, too. I told you, bro, they got a million fucking belts in this company right now. Listen, this is going to be the company that gives our friend Tim exactly what he wants. Everyone gets a championship. (laughs) Because according to our friend Tim, everyone deserves a championship. So New Japan, you're giving our friend Tim exactly what he wants. And for that, I'm not watching. I smell an Oprah meme coming. You get a championship and you get a championship. <laughs> We're going to have New Japan strong, open, never wait fucking quadruple champions next year. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Ah. But I, I don't have much to say about this. Mercedes Monet all the way. Uh, they were trying to get this women's division started and they're going to put the title on the biggest star. Sorry, Kyrie. Sasha Banks, fresh out of WB. She's the biggest star, and she's winning that title. And that sucks, because I'd rather see Kari, to be honest with you, retain. And I know it's not going to happen. I know it's not. I mean, let's let's be real. Did you all hear the crowd when Monet came out? Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to cheer. Japan won't let them cheer for any of the, the superstars. No, like, Japan lets them cheer. No, there's like an act, in fact, still from like the COVID stuff. They don't I allow them to. I think or is that only in the. No. 
it might also only be in certain arenas that they let. I think it's certain venues. Like the small, is it the smaller venues? Because I know, I know I've also seen recent videos of New Japan shows where like the whole entire crowd is silent on like amazing spots because like from what I've been reading, they're not allowed to clap, they're not allowed to cheer. But like, I don't know the extent to if it's based on the venue size or not. Right. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure on those details either. But when it comes to the reaction Mercedes got at Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, you got to. Yes, Mercedes was in WB. She was in WB for a long time. She was a big star in WB as Sasha Banks. But was she a big star to the new to the Japanese audience in WB, if that makes sense? Well, Absolutely not. That, that and also WWE is only available from my understanding in certain parts of Japan too. It's not like uh not everybody that goes to these these shows in like the Tokyo Dome or whatnot, not all of them have access to WWE like the rest of the world does. Right. Well yeah, that's because with uh WWE Japan, if you guys remember, that kind of folded. You know, they I, they had like cut their TV deal or whatever in Japan, so it makes it harder, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I remember Wrestle Kingdom, and there was cheering. She just I, came out to basically dead fucking silence. It's it's got to be based on the venue size, then. It was fucking terrible. Like, and it's not the first time I've seen that happen in New Japan when like a star comes out who's like from somewhere else, you know? Yeah. They have great exposure here in America. And like new Japan is always trying to think like, Hey, you know, we need, you know, new talent, new talent, new talent. So they, they look at these names, you know, and they grabbed her, which was obviously, I would say a big name to grab. You know, there was a lot of thought process that she was going to, uh, tag with Soraya in AEW, And that didn't happen. She was going to be the mystery partner. That didn't happen. Uh, There was rumors she signed a six-match deal in AEW, and so far we haven't seen that. Uh, She did say in the press conference after Wrestle Kingdom that, you know, she wants to go to Mexico and make some pesos, and she wants to do this, she wants to do that. But there was basically no mention of wrestling in the States at the time. I feel bad for Kari being the inaugural champion and now basically having to be a placement holder for the belt to hand it over like i've I've always been kind of against that you know tight you know placeholders for the belt especially the way new japan again like we talked about treats championships like they they generally mean something i'm not going to be a fan of it but mercedes money i'm gonna go in the opposite direction not just to be different um i think with bouncing off of what lee said with Mercedes not getting much of a reaction at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, I think if you really want to get her over with the New Japan audience, I think it's smarter to work her up the ladder. You know, it's it's kind of tradition in New Japan that you start at the very, very bottom and you work yourself up. Even if you are a name from somewhere else, Cody even did it to an extent. Yes, he joined the Bullet Club, but he started with smaller matches before he got to the likes of feuding with Kenny Omega in New Japan. Saw the same thing with uh, Jay White, who was already kind of known when he signed with Ring of Honor. I mean, not with Ring of Honor, with New Japan. Um, so I, I don't think Mercedes winning is the right move if the crowd's not behind her just now. Yes, it'll pop the people over in the States, but I mean, your your main audience is your, your people of Japan. Um, you know, those are your those are your diehards when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I'd rather see Kyrie win and have Mercedes eventually 
like work her way up into a bigger story that culminates with her winning the title. So I'm going to go with Kyrie. Yeah, but do you really see them having Mercedes lose her first match, you know, post WB? I don't know. It's Japan. It's a different place. They, yeah. they, they, they could possibly book her to lose in a way that helps her. Hey, anything's possible, but I, I just can't see them, you know, not letting, not putting the title on her. And even if they were not to put the title on her, you know, having her go over in her debut match for the promotion. I don't know, man. Never say never in pro wrestling. I, I think there's a million different ways it could go, but I personally am going with who I would like to see win, and that's Kyrie. Hey, you know take- me, I'm a Sasha Banks mark. I love Sasha Banks. And it's because of that that I'd like to see her lose, and I'd like to see her build into something more meaningful. I feel like if she wins now, it's just, it doesn't mean much for her title reign either. Well, Monet makes the world go round. And that brings us to our main event. Ugh. <laughs> the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. The current champion. Oh, who is it? <laughs> Who's the champion, Justin? Who's always the fucking champion, Justin? <laughs> Zuchko Kata. <laughs> Taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. All I'm going to say is Okada wins, LOL. I used to love Okada, but you and I have talked about the Just, Lee, Justin and I had our own private chat one night where we literally just went off for about an hour about one, how great Kazuchika Okada is, but two, how he has become New Japan's version of John Cena. He gets put in every major match on every major card. He eventually wins the world title back, especially if it's at Wrestle Kingdom. He's not losing a world title match at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, it's just, it's overkill. It, I, I, he's been the top champion on and off for probably what, Justin, like 10 years now. It's, it's up there, man. I, I had to look at it afterwards too. He is a seven time IWGP world champion. Well, not counting this current incarnation because you know, the, the mess where they unified it with the intercontinental and now it's its own separate title, but you, you know what I mean? I'm still counting it. Yeah. He's a seven time IWGP world champion. And they haven't been short reigns. There there have been a reigns that Okada's had that have been a year and a half, two years in some cases. So that's a long fucking time for this guy to hold the title in 10 years, you know? It pisses me off, too, because I love Tanahashi. Yo, listen, he's like New Japan's Hulk Hogan, John Cena, The Rock. You name it, he's the top guy. Yeah, but occasionally The Rock lost big matches. Well, yeah. Okada, Okada does not. No, Hulk Hogan didn't lose big matches either, unless like he was really paid for it. So yeah, but I think we know how this one goes down. We know how this goes down. <laughs> I'm not denying that. Absolutely. I'm not either. No, we're just pissed off about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at the same time, if if Tanahashi wins, and so I can't be a hypocrite here because as much as I love Tanahashi, if he wins, it's the same goddamn thing. The world title has gone for the past 10 years, has basically gone back and forth. A couple of people in the middle has basically gone back and forth between Tanahashi and Okada. Tanahashi this reminds me. I was going to yeah. say, Okada's a seven-time world champion. Tanahashi's an eight-time world champion. Okay, do you remember, I believe it was 2012? 11 out of the 12 WWE pay-per-views. 2009. I know what you're about to say. Thank you. Thank you. 2009. 
11 out of the 12 pay-per-views that WWE put on for the world championships matches had either Triple H, Randy Orton, or John Cena in them. 11 out of the 12 fucking pay-per-views. And people complained about it in 2009, Lee. And in the year and, before, the year before at WrestleMania 24, it had all three of them in that match yeah. world title. 2009 had a match with all three of them at Night of Champions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, when you're, when you're the top guy, you're pushed down the throat. Look at, like I said, look at Roman Reigns. He's now at 101 days. Is universal they're saying is the WWE Universal Champion. Like that's great. That and he's closing in on a full year with the WWE Championship as well. Yeah. So like, how do you want to look at this? Like, John Cena's tied sixteen times with Ric Flair's reigns. Charlotte's got like what? Fourteen. Thirteen. Yeah, fourteen. I mean, I mean, granted, they're counting some like really short runs that are like a day. Technically, but... too, if you count the NXT, Justin and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. If you count the NXT women's titles that she's held to, she's at sixteen. Yeah, for some reason they don't count the NXT women's titles. Oh, that that's a Vince McMahon thing because it's 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 not technically WWE. Yeah, bullshit. It was defended at fucking WrestleMania and Charlotte won it. Yeah, yeah. So what do you got to say, McMahon? That's a pretty good uh, Jesse Ventura. I like that. Oh, that was pretty good. I'll give you that. All right. <laughs> At least right. now with us and with us talking about Jay White and Eddie Kingston earlier and Jay White leaving New Japan, I'm at rest a little more with him losing the title to Okada at Wrestle Kingdom because, as Justin, I went on a bitch fit about how they had Jay White lose to Okada because I felt that it hurt his career, but now it makes a little more sense knowing that he's leaving. But however... Does it have to be Okada? Right. Or does it have to be Okada or Tanahashi? Like, it could have been. There's so many other people that it could have been. You could have... You give Zack Sabre Jr. a shot. Granted, I get that he's the world television champion, but they could have put somebody else (laughs) spot. You could have given that spot to Zack Sabre Jr. easily. When they had Shingo Takagi uh, hold the title two years ago, I loved it because it was somebody fucking different holding the title for the first time in a long, long fucking time. Or Evil's Reign. Well, we I, I don't like it's yeah. It, I, it's still somebody different though. Is what, it was, what it was very a bad taste in the mouth. It was, but it was something different, and that's New Japan's biggest problem in the past. I really say they really struggled with it since they since the Okada Kenny Omega feuds that they had is that they've just they haven't been doing anything new. They've been relying on all of their older stars. And it, it's it's literally we're we're literally seeing what WWE was doing at WrestleMania for a good four or five years between like WrestleMania 33 and WrestleMania 37. There's a lot of comparisons with what New Japan's doing with their roster. Right. I would just like to see Okada just do something different. Like, have him go down, challenge for the U.S. title or something. Do him and Kenny Omega for the U.S. title. Why not? Do him and Zack Sabre Jr. for the television championship. Fuck. Just stay out of the world title picture for a little bit. Fucking go to a different company. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe next year. We'll see. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I and don't get me wrong. I have all the respect in the world for both Tanahashi and Okada. They're yeah, two. This... They're two of the best ever. It's just too much, man. 
this isn't us like bashing Okada and his in-ring work and his, his character work and everything. It's just the same fucking thing. Constantly. It's just W it's just WWE 2009 and New Japan 2022. It really, it really is. And even even I even a gimmick change, a slight gimmick tweak could have even worked. Yeah. Okada. A heel turn would have even made it fresher, but it's the same Rainmaker babyface Okada that we've been seeing since like 2014. The only difference between Okada and John Cena is John Cena has bright ass colored shirts. That's about it. Yeah, and Okada's got a bright ass fucking jacket. But the biggest thing they have in common is if you've watched one of their matches, you've watched all of them. Am I, I wrong? I can't say that he's wrong. Not gonna argue with that. And that's what makes that's what makes pro wrestling so hard to watch with wrestlers. You know, because they have the same move sets. They don't change a lot of their moves. You know, they hit their, you know, anytime you go to a, an event, it's back and forth, back and forth. You hit your moves. I hit my moves. I hit my moves. You hit your moves. Finish. It's over. You know, and I think I think that's why, um, you know, going back to the ties with Okada and Cena, I think that's why so many fans thought it was so cool when Cena started doing those open U.S. challenges back in like 2015, because he started pulling moves out of nowhere that he hadn't used his entire career. And everybody was like, oh, Cena can wrestle, lol. Yeah, like Hulk Hogan in New Japan. He can do it. He just doesn't have to. Well, not anymore. He can't feel his legs now. Well, that's a different story. (laughs) But yeah, uh, my point being, though, Okada wins. LOL. Yeah, like who didn't see that coming? (laughs) Well, that that rounds out the New Japan show, guys. Why don't we uh, go from a pay-per-view... To a premium live event. It's still a fucking pay. I don't care. You pay for fucking Peacock. Let's talk about uh, WWE Elimination Chamber. That is tomorrow, also Saturday. Justin, you got the card. Let's run down it. Let's talk the matches. And let's shit on some people we don't like. And praise the ones we want to see win. Yeah, so we have Elimination Chamber. From Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Which, uh... Is different venue or different venue, obviously, but a different uh, location for these WWE pay per views. Uh, we're seeing a lot more of these, you know, international shows for these premium live events. Like we see, Money in the Bank is running the O2 in London this July, I believe, June or July. Uh, we have the Montreal show here. Yeah, uh, Clash at uh, Clash at the Castle, which I would have to imagine is either this year or next year, you're going to start becoming an annual thing. I could see it becoming an annual thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe not this year because they have money in the bank, but, you know, I could definitely see it becoming an annual pay-per-view. I would love that. Honestly, that felt more like a big, like, middle-of-the-year bash than SummerSlam did last year. I That was probably, Clash at the Castle was probably my favorite pay-per-view last year of any company. Also, Davey was supposed to run a premium live event in India this year, which uh, was supposed to happen already, but it got pulled. Ah, that's why Jinder Mahal's challenging for the NXT championship. Okay. <laughs> Makes uh, sense. We're not talking about that. Jinder Mahal body, the Mahade Maharaja. Modern day Maharaja is returning. I vomit in my mouth every time they call him a former WWE champion. I fucking love Jinder Mahal and you'll never change my mind. Fuck you. Uh, and then we have the Saudi Arabia shows every year, which everybody loves. But uh, different story for a different day. Boo. Boo you. 
Blood money. We'll start with the first of two Elimination Chamber matches of the night. Austin Fury defending the United States Championship against Seth Frickin' Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Montez Ford. Guys, what'd you think of Seth Rollins' boots the other night on Raw? Only only he would fucking do that. Okay, so like for the people listening that don't know about what's going on with these boots, um, famous like some famous rapper was wearing them first, and like it was it was shown on social media. Can't remember who it was. Um, almost think it it might have been Lil Wayne. I I can't remember, but it basically has become this huge viral meme on the internet. But while it's become a viral meme for all the normal day people, a ton of celebrities are suddenly buying these goddamn boots now because they think it's actually like a, a fashion thing. Seth Rollins being Seth Rollins and the King of Drip decided that he was obviously going to make a play on this meme that's going around. I can't imagine he actually enjoys those boots. I laughed my ass off because that is something only the Seth Rollins character that he is currently portraying would do. Um, do I ever want to see him wear them again? Hell no. But it was funny as hell. And and watching Miz take that curb stop for even longer than normal, because when they went to commercial break, um, they I, uh, actually showed the camera crew changing out the Miz TV carpet. And Miz was still selling the kick and they just rolled him oh, over we, the carpet. We were in, in the crowd. We were chanting, roll him up because we wanted them to roll him up in the carpet. Dude. That was so funny, and the the boots just made the segment. Obviously, I hope he doesn't keep them, but that was funny as hell. Yeah, so, when they when they rolled him over the carpet, we booed pretty loud in the building. <laughs> so the boots are M S C H F big red boot, and they currently sell for a thousand dollars a pair. Yeah, they look like the uh, the boots from Astro Boy. That's what everybody keeps calling them: is the Astro Boy boots. Yep. Yeah, so Diplo rolled up to them at Madison Square Garden on Diplo. Monday for a Knicks game. I mean, I, I saw these things, and the first thing I thought of was exactly what the Miz thought. Hey, yo, Mario Cody wants his boots back. What right? are those? That was the other one. That was the second one. I was like, yo, what are those? The fact that Miz did that during the segment, too. Yeah, you know, so it was, you know. They were ridiculous, but it made the curb stomp hilarious, let's be honest. I think that was the whole point, too. It was so funny. So, the one thing I like about this Elimination Chamber match is you've got one veteran in there within Seth Rollins. Everyone else is fairly new slash newer in WWE here. So, this one, I think you're going to get a showcase of everybody. But I think you see the veteran Seth Rollins come away with the United States Championship. See, I'm going to disagree because Seth Rollins is not the only person in this match that's been in the Elimination Chamber before. The only other person in this match that has also been in the Elimination Chamber is Austin Theory. So, for that reason alone, and for the fact that there is a rumored match with John Cena heading for WrestleMania 39, I'm going with Austin Theory to retain the United States Championship. Okay. So I've been going back and forth between a few options in this match, actually. I think what I say is going to surprise you. And I, I think- I'm kind of going the Lee route with this, just to be different. I have a feeling I know where you're going. I'm going to say Bronson Reed 
wins the United States Championship in the Elimination Chamber. That is not where I thought you were going. No. Me either. I um, thought he was going Montez Ford. So did I. I'm going Bronson Reed. I think they're really high on him right now. Uh, you know, they've really protected him since coming back this past December. And I think he's just going to tear through everybody in this chamber match. Well, and I guess that makes sense, too, because you really don't need the U.S. title to start a match or a feud uh, with Theory and Cena because Theory's done enough shit talking online over the past year, year and a half for that match with John Cena to build itself. So, I mean, your your logic is not flawed because they could easily set that match up, which then if you take Austin Theory out of the picture and then also figure in the fact that Seth Rollins is most likely facing Logan Paul at WrestleMania, I feel like the only other person that it makes sense to win that match, as you said, Justin, is Bronson Reed. Yeah. Those I, I've been going back and forth with the three, Seth, Fury, and Bronson Reed, and I feel like those are the most, you know, the likeliest of the three to win this match. And, yeah, I'm going to say Bronson Reed, and, you know, I don't know what he does at WrestleMania if he does win the United States Championship, but I don't think you need the United States Championship to set up Seth Rollins and Logan Paul, and I don't think you need the U.S. title to set up Cena and Fury. So, well, and think about it, too. Bronson Reed's still undefeated since his return. Right. I like it. Okay, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait for him to smash somebody through the pod. Oh, yeah. He's going to. Could you imagine him doing the Kevin Nash, Rey Mysterio dart with Johnny Gargano through the goddamn plexiglass? Well, now I kind of want to see it. Mm-hmm. I only said Johnny Gargano because he's the smallest person in the match. Ho- hopefully, Austin Fury doesn't get fucking F5'd off a pod this year. That was scary to watch. I was afraid he was going to break his fucking ankles. <laughs> Especially the fact that it's if it was anybody else doing a move off the off the pot, I'd be like, yeah, he's going to be fine. But it was Brock fucking Lesnar, who is like, he can yeah. be safe at times, but sometimes he can be absolutely careless with how he performs moves on people. When Brock just flung him into the air, I literally screamed. Uh, so did I. I think I was watching the, the match with Lee, and I'm pretty sure we yelled, he's dead. <laughs> yep. But yeah, different different uh, directions for all of us in this match. And I think all of them are great options either way. Yeah. But you can't have an Elimination Chamber pay-per-view without a second Elimination Chamber. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in the day, you could. You absolutely could. But now... Well, in, in 2023, you cannot. Well, because, you know, we have to market all the toys to the kids. So right. there's got to be more of the same structure. Yep. So the second one is for the women and the winner of this match will determine who faces Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. We have Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, and Raquel Rodriguez, who were actually the final four in the Rumble this year, obviously with the exclusion of Rhea Ripley, who was the eventual winner. And Natalia and Carmella won four-way matches on Raw and SmackDown to qualify for the match as well. To me... It's got to be Oscar, right? You would think, but it also seems like they're pushing Carmella pretty hard coming back, already putting her in that match. Uh, me personally, I would have to say Oscar, but like I know, I know they changed, you know, her face and the mask and everything like that back to the more Kana uh, thing that you know persona that she had had, but we haven't seen anything different other than a change in face paint and a mask. She's had a couple of newer, newer, creepier mannerisms backstage, but they also could be saving 
more of that for the actual build of mania yeah um i feel like out of everybody the only one who hasn't had a championship match in a while is an asuka or a natty i don't see it being natty she's kind of just too bland it's it's Oscar. I'm going with Oscar. Liv Morgan's had her chance. She's been the SmackDown Women's Champion. Anyone else we've seen in that match, it doesn't make sense. I think so. I feel like you got to have a a clear face versus heel with this, and I think Oscar is going to be the one to do it. Okay. Well, the first thing I want to say before I give my prediction is I love what they've done with this chamber match. How long has it been? Because I feel like in probably almost the past 10 years now. So prior to 2013, when they had Cena and Orton unify the title belts, the Eliminations Chamber pay-per-view used to be set up to where we would have one championship match and one number one contenders match because it used to be winner of the Royal Rumble would face one champion that he chose on one brand. Winner of the Elimination Chamber would usually go on and face the other. We haven't seen that in a very long time. It's generally just been match for the championship, match for the championship, insert you know the tag titles, the IC title, now the United States title, or even the women's titles. Um we haven't seen a lot of this number one contendership elimination chamber style match in a very long time. And this is what used to kind of get me hyped for WrestleMania. So I'd like to see them do that with uh, the, the men again come next year when hopefully the title belts are split up again. I don't think Asuka is the only one that can win this match. Um, Asuka, I think makes the most sense, but if we're going from a storyline base, the only other person that has, just as much background with Bianca Belair's Raquel Rodriguez. And that was going to be my, my backup to be honest with you. Right. They even showed, uh, what was it? Not, I don't think it was last year. No, it was the year before after WrestleMania 37, when Bianca Rhea Ripley and Raquel were all champions of their respective brand. They even had uh, a promo segment on NXT together so they made it well aware to the fans that the two of them have a friendship, a background. Babyface Raquel is bland as all hell, but I loved her heel run in NXT. Absolutely loved it. You could easily have her win, turn on Bianca, as it seems like everybody's been doing lately, and put her in that spot. So to be different and to go with a dark horse pick, I'm going to pick Raquel Rodriguez to win the Elimination Chamber because I also think the match is better suited to her style of brutality. Hey, remember that segment on NXT you just talked about with Raquel, Rhea, and Bianca? Remember Frey, uh, Ty Valkyrie debuted in that segment? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else remembers either. Frankie something. Frankie Monet. Oh, yeah. That was That was a thing, wasn't it? I'm I'm depressed now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yep. So Justin, are you going with Oscar as well? Officially, me yeah, Oscar all the way on this. Alrighty. Well. Uh yeah, and then we go into something a little bit different. Well, not really, because we've seen the match a few times now. But uh, Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. No stipulation at it at the moment. I think they're saving that for WrestleMania. And because of that, I think we get a non-finish here. I don't think either of them win. 
I think we see the formation of the Hurt Business, and they beat down Brock, and we go from there. You're a bastard. You're a bastard. bastard. You're a bastard because I was going to be different, and I was going to go with that. (laughs) And I hate how alike our wrestling minds are because it pisses me off because you it always depends on which one of us says it first right. <laughs> um i'm gonna go with the same thing but i don't know if the hurt business is gonna reform at the pay-per-view or if we're gonna see it as a storyline that plays out more over raw if the hurt business does not reform because i'm gonna go with the same finish but i'm gonna go with a different story behind it um i also think it's gonna be a no contest but I, I think we could see more of the two of them absolutely destroying the arena than basically incapacitating each other, absolutely laying each other out to the point where the ref has to call the match off. And I think you can use that as a way to book them into a last man standing match at WrestleMania. But I said this a couple of weeks ago. I told you if they meet at Mania, I think the best stipulation for the two of them with this story at this point is a last man standing match. Right. It's got to be. Lee, you going with an on-finish as well? Or you actually have a winner in mind? I believe they said that uh, Bobby is up in the winds against Brock in this. So, like, I feel like if you have Brock win here and then you have him win at Mania, then it's, like, even at 2-2 and then you got to have a fifth rubber match. I don't think they're going that route, to be honest with you, with a best of series type. Well, I don't think Brock's beaten him yet. Has he? No, he hasn't. It's it's. I think, it, so I think it's one and one. I think because uh, Lashley beat Brock at the rumble last year. And then Brock beat Lashley in Saudi Arabia. Oh yeah, he did. But then he laid him out. I forgot Brock won in Saudi Arabia. But Lashley does have the upper hand of tossing Brock out of the rumble this past. Yeah. Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess if we're counting him having the upper hand of throwing Brock over the rope at, Royal Rumble, then you also have to go back and give Brock an extra point for having won the WWE Championship in the match that Lashley basically got taken out of. Lashley didn't even enter the match, though. He didn't, but Brock won his championship. from. So from a storyline perspective... Oh, stop it. No, that's... no, 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 no. I'm being serious. From a, a storyline perspective, that's an easy way to get under somebody's skin in a build-up to a match at WrestleMania. And and that's kind of what Brock's MO is right now, is he's doing everything he can just to fucking get under Lashley's skin. So, I mean, I, I've, I thought at one point I was kind of over this feud, but they've every time I have thought that, they've kind of found a way to make it interesting again and not do the same shit over and over again like they did with like him and Goldberg when Goldberg returned. So, I mean, I, I think at this point, run it all the way to Mania, and then at that point... You've had the dream rivalry. They go their separate ways for the rest of their careers. I don't think this needs to happen again after Mania. I agree. Yeah. Run it. End it. Okay. Last man standing match, though, at Mania would be dope with the two of these. Yeah. I'm absolutely down for the last man standing idea. Uh, But following that, we have a mixed tag team match. We have the Grit Couple, Edge and Beth Phoenix. Taking on the Judgment Day of Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. And presumably we will have uh, the ex-con Dom at ringside. Hopefully he doesn't have any PTSD from that chamber hanging above the ring. But we'll see. What do you guys think of uh, Rhea and ex-con Dom's Valentine's date? Oh my god, that was hilarious. If there's one thing I love the most out of this whole Dom thing, 
is those those videos on Twitter get funnier and funnier every time. This time Ray Ray cut off Dom's credit card. Like he cut off his funds just to fuck with him. Like right. Ray at this point, even though he thinks he's just kind of stepping out of it and trying to still be a good father by not fighting Dom, is absolutely playing mind games with the fucking kid because he's like, here, have our table. And then he cut his fucking credit card off. Well, look, the only thing I found unrealistic about the skit was you have Rey Mysterio sitting there wearing his mask, eating dinner. And that's not even the unrealistic part. The unrealistic part was there weren't, you know, like five people around him asking him to sign Funko Pops for them. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I went there. Y'all yeah, and 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 ladies and gentlemen, Lee and Justin are going to talk more about that Rey Mysterio incident on their next episode of Perched on the Top Shelf. Yeah, I have some stuff to say about that. But did anyone else burst out laughing when oh, Doc asked for their finest chicken fingers? It's so Lee. I know you think it's kind of cringy, but Dom is absolutely doing what a wrestler should do right now. He's reading all the shit that he's getting online, and he's running with it because he's just adding more fuel to the fire to give to these fans to shit on him more, which in turn makes him a good heel. Like, I I don't know what else to say, Lee. I know you fucking hate him, but XCOM Dom is the guy right now. And and can we talk about how at the end of the segment when Rhea Ripley just pulled all the hundreds out of her fucking her wallet or her pocket? Right. And she slapped him on the table, grabbed a bottle of wine or champagne or whatever it was, and she goes, take that out of your tip. I love the part when the cops show up and Dom just goes, it's a sting operation and runs out of there as fast as he can. <laughs> yeah, it gave me like Will Ferrell comedy vibes. It's a stay operation. Yeah, man. Dominic has officially won me over, and I a few months ago I wouldn't even have thought I would say something like that, especially regarding the Judgment Day too, man. They I have turned it. the fucking quarter. Oh, absolutely, because they knew they weren't going to get over as this dark, dark team anymore, and they want like the comedy heel route. And when done the right way. Well, if you're doing the comedy shtick while you're still getting over and winning matches, eventually it starts to work. And Chris Jericho did the same thing when he had the list gimmick. That was purely a comedy uh, a comedy character, and, and he took it and made that shine. So yeah, I agree. The Judgment Day has definitely turned the corner. But since we're talking about feuds that are never-ending, get the Judgment Day and Edge as far apart as fucking humanly possible. Well, you know what? I still think we're getting one more match coming out of this, so this definitely isn't going to be the end. No, but uh, Edge and Phoenix versus the Judgment Day. If if the rumors are to be believed, and we are getting Edge versus Finn Balor in a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania, which kudos to Hunter by moving some of these gimmick batches, matches back to WrestleMania finally. We saw last year he can get rid of some of the pay-per-views, and we kind of knew that this was going to be a thing in the future. We just didn't know how soon it was going to be. So if they do go with Edge and Finn at WrestleMania and Hell in a Cell, then I feel like Judgment Day's got to beat them one more time, and Edge's whole shtick has got to be that he wants one last match, one more match to uh, quote his best friend Christian, and put it in Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. And I say for this one match, only you bring back the Demon Finn Balor, because Demon Finn inside Hell in a Cell but imagine he comes out in like black, white, and purple instead of the red. Yeah, I think the plan from what I heard is Brood Edge against Demon Finn in Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. You gotta let him do like a different like paint design. Like allow him to kinda 
um, you know, imagine some of the artwork that he did in New Japan because you can't give him you can't give him the the old demon face paint when he comes out because I feel like that'll get over with the crowd too much, right? And that'll almost maybe force the fans into kind of pushing him towards the baby face role again, which I I don't think is necessary. Heel Finn is is great. Um, so I, I would love to see Brood Edge versus Demon Finn and Hell in a Cell Mania to get there. I feel like the Judgment Day has to win one more time. You have Edge say he wants one more match. They get that match, and then I'll, I'll say it now, but I'll say it again come Mania time because you guys would predict this anyways. Edge finally beats him in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, you know, just the main fact with Rhea being in there, I think I'm going Judgment Day. And I think we get Rhea pinning Beth Phoenix as, you know, giving her a strong win going into WrestleMania against Charlotte by getting a clean pinfall win over a Hall of Famer. I think that's the best direction to go with this. That and I think if they go with like a post-match beatdown too, this could be the angle that finally actually sets up Dom versus Ray at WrestleMania as well. Right. And, you know, you have Damian Priest in the chamber match earlier in the night. I don't see him winning. I don't, neither, none of us see him winning, obviously, but. I think you do have to give the Judgment Day a win then. If that is the case, I think they should be winning at least one of these matches. Agreed. So I'm going with Judgment Day. Justin's going with Judgment Day. Lee, what are your thoughts? Lee, you are currently muted. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. I think that if (laughs) Judgment Day wins, Rhea Ripley pins Beth Phoenix. If... Edge and Beth win. Ed, Edge pins Finn. I think it'll make Rhea look strong pinning Beth. But I'd rather see Edge and Beth win, so I'm just going to say Edge and Beth because that's who I want to see. Who would have thought in 2023 I would be saying that Edge is not going to win a match and Lee would be saying that he is. Lee is advocating for my favorite wrestler. Yeah, Lee has grit. All about the grit couple. That's because he's like 50. <laughs> My God. But uh, anyway, that brings us to the main event of Elimination Chamber. And I can't remember the, remember the last time I've looked forward to a match on WB television this much. With everything based around it, the story, the crowd reaction that we know Sami Zayn is going to get going into this match. We have Roman Reigns defending the undisputed WB Universal Championship against Sami Zayn in his home country of Montreal, Quebec. As much as I want Sami Zayn to win. And you know what? I was saying it coming out of the Royal Rumble and how well-received the segment was. You know, the turn on Sami. It really... It's terrible timing, and I hate to say that because I do believe it should be Cody and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I think long-term, that is the best story and the best main event to go with. That story writes itself across two companies. Right. But it also feels like it should be Sammy and Roman at WrestleMania, which at this point, we know we're not getting. Which I don't mind, because I think they definitely should be doing this match in Montreal just based on how the crowd is going to react to Sammy and how alive they're going to be during the match. But there's no way Sami Zayn is defeating Roman Reigns on this show. It will be Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Sami Zayn will not be added and it will not be a triple threat. There will not be some Daniel Bryan shit where he beats fucking Triple H in the opening match of WrestleMania this year and then goes to the main event and it's a triple threat. 
Can't do that shit. Triple H is retired, bitches. There will not be an Occupy Raw segment where uh, the crowd is olaying. None of that. I think we do get Jey Uso interfering in this match, and I think he causes the... uh, He costs Sami Zayn the match for the finish. I'm expecting a beatdown on Sami Zayn after the match, and we get the returning Kevin Owens in Montreal, Quebec, for the save... And, you know, you end the show with a nice feel-good hometown moment with him and Sami Zayn reuniting. And, you know, going in for a big hug in the middle of the ring. And then that sets up the tag team title match at WrestleMania with the Usos and Sami and Kevin Owens. When was the last time that a tag team title match at WrestleMania had this much hype going into it? I would main event night one with it, if I'm being honest with you. You and I talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't hype. That wasn't necessarily as hyped until they made a surprise turn. I mean, like well, yeah. hype, hype going into it. I, I quite literally can't remember since I started watching wrestling again. I quite literally cannot remember the last time that a tag team title match was hyped up this much going into WrestleMania season. I'm gonna Kanye West this real quick. WWE hates tag teams. I mean, yeah. More so Vince hates tag teams, but. I mean, let's be honest. There's really nothing left to say after Justin just freaking rifled all that off. Sorry, guys. No, no, I got to agree because sometimes the best stories in wrestling really do write themselves and are predictable. Um, You know, Daniel Bryan's situation should have predicted itself and it should have been him in the match from the beginning. The Kofi Kingston situation with him coming through and getting the the crowd behind him and WWE making the right call that year, that's a story that absolutely wrote itself. Um, you know, before Chris Benoit did those awful things, that storyline was a storyline that wrote itself. And this situation with Sammy kind of writes itself too. Yes. Would I like to see Sami Zayn win the undisputed WWE Universal Championship? Yes, I would. However, that's not the best story for him right now. The best story right now for him is between him and Jey Uso. Yes, he's been with Rowan for all this time, but the biggest story for Sami when he was in the bloodline was not his adoration for Roman Reigns. It was the friendship that he was trying to earn with Jey Uso that he finally got after War Games now Jay is seeming like he's on his side. When Jay turns on Sami Zayn, the crowd in Montreal is absolutely going to shit on him because everybody, all the casual wrestling fans right now, genuinely do believe that Jay Uso is going to leave the bloodline. Um, you know, they've been chanting for him at, at, at every show, and apparently everybody does not see the writing on the wall. So when Jay Uso inevitably turns on Sami Zayn, all of that heat that's on Roman Reigns is going to transfer over to Jey Uso, which is brilliant storytelling because that also allows Cody to come in afterwards and not get completely booed out of the arenas by the fans like Batista did when he won the Royal Rumble in 2014 or Roman Reigns' run because of Dan O'Brien. It gives them an even better storyline with Sami Zayn with the Usos and it allows Cody to be able to run his run his track to WrestleMania and face Roman and finish the story. And to add to that, because I wanted to talk about this, this goes, this ties into this match and this story. 
WWE had a brilliant piece of storytelling on Monday Night Raw with the promo segment between Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn. Genuinely, uh, uh, normally in these situations come WrestleMania season, when WWE thinks that somebody's going to get booed, I feel like they just have them ignore the other person. Batista ignored Daniel Bryan's existence at first when he won the Royal Rumble, and WWE was just, you know, it was like they were just going to go straight ahead and ignore all the Daniel Bryan shit. They were originally going to do it with Kofi Kingston when they were going to have Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens at WrestleMania that year. They're not ignoring it this time. Triple H has handled this much better than Vince would have. And instead, they had Cody Rhodes go in and be Sami Zayn's cheerleader for this match. Which put Cody Rhodes over even more. So, yeah, uh, Jay's going to cost Sami this match. Sami's not going to win, but we are going to get the reuniting of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I'm down with it. There's nothing else to really say. It was That was... It was perfect, in my opinion, on Justin's part. So I'm going with what Justin said. And however, while we're still talking about Sami Zayn, him losing here doesn't mean that he's out of the title picture for good. No. Wouldn't 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 Sami Zayn, in your guys' opinion, be the best candidate to win Money in the Bank this year? I mean, he's got the most title. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think that would be genius because that would also show that would show the fans looking in at Triple H running this company, that he he does still care about the fans and he's not going to give up on what they want. You just move it out to a different time frame. And look, you, you brought up, you know, kind of the thing about, you know, the story being predictable, Alex. And I hear a lot of people, you know, especially recently where, oh, well, this is predictable, this, that, the other. Look, predictable is not always bad. Predictable can be very good. As long as the story is told right as long as it makes sense i would rather have a great predictable story opposed to a story that i can't predict and it's just random swerves for the sake of random swerves and it's just all over the place creatively you know like just tell the story just enjoy it is how i look at it finish the story that, that's that's ironically the finish the story is the story of this whole thing and honestly cody deserves this for you know, and think about it. His story runs way longer, from Stardust and leaving WWE, going through the Indies, and creating a whole entire rival promotion, to coming back home with the character that he built outside of the company, winning the Royal Rumble. That writes itself more so than the Sami Zayn story does, in my opinion. Yeah, man, all around. I would love to see Cody win the title at WrestleMania and then up on the Titan Tron, you just see a picture of the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. I'd probably cry. Aww, do Dude, it. I I would that would be one of the few times in wrestling where I would probably shed a tear. Please show that photo Cody put up on the screen the night after WrestleMania last year. That that would be perfect. And could you imagine too if AEW let Dustin Rhodes show up for one night only and he came out and congratulated Cody after the win? I would love to see that, but with the whole Billy Gunn situation from a few months ago, I I don't foresee it being the case. I don't either, but that would be such a cool, just wholesome moment. Right. Let's also remember that Cody Rhodes was also uh, going into this match with Roman, most likely, too. Let's also remember that Cody Rhodes was the first man to pin Roman Reigns on the main roster in WWE history. Actually, it was not Cody. 
Cody was one of the first. The first man to pin Roman Reigns on the main roster, ironically, Jay Uso. Was it really? Yeah. I didn't realize he pinned Roman in that. Was it the one where uh, the Usos and Christian beat the Shield? No. So it was like a seven on three handicap match. I think it was like Daniel Bryan, uh, the primetime players in the Usos against the Shield. And it was elimination style. And Jey Uso went up for the splash and pinned Roman Reigns. I didn't. That was his I, first defeat. I didn't even remember that. Yeah, it's... isn't that wild that his two, his first two people that pinned him on the main roster were Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes. It's crazy how things work out, man. <laughs> and that pin that Cody, when Cody pinned Roman, that pin won him a championship from him too. Yep. Finish the story. Control your narrative. Fuck off, EC3. Yeah, fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> oh, God. So we did our, our New Japan predictions. We've done our Elimination Chamber predictions. Ladies and gentlemen, that leaves us to do this. Make sure you find our podcast anywhere and everywhere. You can listen to us. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, Red Circle. You name it, we are there. It is perched on the top rope. You can also... Listen, here is the schedule real quick. On Wednesdays, you get perched on the top shelf with the perch correspondent, Justin, and I. On on Friday, you get us that you're listening to right now, perched on the top rope. On Sundays at twitch.tv slash perched on the top rope, you get Alex, 8, 9 p.m. Go check that out. Streaming all sorts of video games, not just WWE. You can also check us out on our YouTube channel page at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope all our interviews uh different gaming stuff that alex has done on twitch the perched on the top shelf episodes are there the perched on the top rope shelves are there our interviews you can watch me get chopped the shit out of by greg the hammer valentine that's right he chops the living hell out of me uh so much that it left a welt of his hand on my chest for a week and a half. You can also go to our TikTok page. It's perched on the top rope. Where you can find Selena scenes. Where we take Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. And recreate the greatest moments in professional wrestling history. Because telling me that Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. Is not one of the greatest moments in wrestling. You're wrong. Danhausen debuting on AEW. One of the greatest moments in wrestling history. You want to tell me otherwise? Lee Zack Ryder well, is dead. His name is Matt Cardona. Well, he was Zack Ryder at this time, so it stays. Uh, also, if none of that tickles your fancy and you want a good ha-ha-ha, and you're not in the couch, but you're sativa it up, you can watch the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. That's right. Former WCW professional wrestler, the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, the guy that everyone thought that at one point killed Chris Benoit and his family, but, you know, that was a rumor. Uh he gets humped by a dog. Yes, humped by a dog. It's one of our pinned uh, TikToks, so make sure you go watch it, like, and uh, laugh your ass off and enjoy. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. We're rounding up on 11,000 likes. Thank you. You can also check us out on Twitter at Perch Top Rope. You can check us out on Instagram where we're posting hilarious memes all the time. It's Perched on the Top Rope Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, spoiler freeze. The way to be. We're out.
Hello, this is WWE Hall of Famer Brett the Hitman Hart reminding you to watch WWE Elimination Chamber this Saturday in my hometown in Montreal, Canada. Hopefully nobody gets screwed this time, but I don't think they will. You know why? Because Bill Goldberg isn't booked on the card. Good night, everyone. <laughs>